Hi, Sunshine. I'm Natasha, your host for the Shine Online podcast and the founder of Soul Studio. In this conversational podcast, I interview the brightest entrepreneurs I know with the goal of empowering you to do business in a way that feels real to you. These conversations will bring you no-fluff advice, honest discussions, and actionable strategies to help you shine online. There are so many bright brands in the online world, but there's always room for one more. Let's shine together. Today's episode is brought to you by Hot Instagram Summer, a three-part monthly masterclass series to help you create more engaging Instagram content with ease. So if you want to save time planning and posting on Instagram, create more strategic and engaging content for your brand, and never stress or fret about what to post on your grid ever again, this masterclass series is for you. So we're going to be talking about really hot topics like content pillars, content batching, how to boost your engagement, and so much more. So your ticket will get you access to unlimited replays, a live Q&A, giveaways, workbooks, and so much more. So I hope to see you there. Be sure to get hot Instagram summer ready and access the link in the show notes to save your spot or go to shinewithnatasha.com slash summer. Now let's get into today's episode. Okay. Hello. Hello. So welcome back to the podcast. Today I am with my friend Taylor and we are testing out something a little bit new. We're actually recording while in Clubhouse. So hello, all the peeps that are joining us while we're in Clubhouse and we're going to test it out. So I'm excited. Thanks for coming along for the ride, Taylor. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I've been a listener of your podcast myself for like seven months now. So I'm very excited to be here. And thank you for having me. Awesome. So today, let's dive right into just like organic and paid content advertising for Instagram. That's what we're going to be diving into today. But I want to start a little bit on just like how you started your business and your business journey. So just kind of like walk us through how you started your ads agency, where you got all your experience and where you are now. So I actually have a pretty similar story to you where I did a couple internships in college and I found out that advertising agency life and corporate world just wasn't going to be for me long term. That's not to knock on the corporate world. I, I learned so much during my time there. And if I had to do it all over again, I would still choose my corporate path for the time that I did just because I learned so much in such a condensed period of time working at an ad agency. But I just knew with my lifestyle and how I wanted to live my life that long term, just the agency wasn't going to be good for my mental health. And I was lucky to learn that early on in 2018 when I was still doing in, like internships and stuff, which... I guess are really what internships are for. So um, after a really bad internship in an ad agency, I had a quarter life crisis kind of early and panicked all of my senior year of college. Like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, I don't even know if I like advertising or social media anymore. But then I had to just kind of come to the realization that I did love social media. I just didn't love the environment that I was doing it in. 
So Mm -hmm. I made the decision after talking with my parents and a phenomenal professor who like guided me through the entire process of starting my own freelance agency and putting me in contact with a ton of freelancers that would get me on the right path. I started my own freelance agency my senior year of college and just kind of put my name out there and looking back on it, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think it was the biggest blessing that I didn't because I just went in full force without fear because I just, I didn't know. (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh. I can relate to all of that so, so much. And I think there is kind of that blessing of just like being so naive when you first start your business and like you have the experience as a marketer, like you dabbled in it, you get that. But the business part is just like a completely different ball game. And I'm kind of curious because I think a lot of marketers can probably relate of just like corporate marketing is just so different than how you market for like startups and small businesses. But I'm really curious to like how you are doing things in the agency life and how it maybe looks a little bit different and now how you're running your business and how you serve your clients or even similar, how maybe they look similar. So this is one of the reasons I'm actually really glad I had the agency experience because I feel like the agency life helped me really streamline my own agency processes, Mm -hmm. especially for onboarding. I learned a lot about how we onboarded clients, especially, I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but my entire career is rooted in paid social media. All of my internships that I did throughout college were on paid social. So I've pretty much my entire career only ever run paid ads on social media for platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, TikTok when it oh right right around the time I left my job is when we started the TikTok ads. We had to do Reddit once. So it was all across the board and our it was just kind of like whatever our clients wanted to run on, it was figure it out because that was your job. But now I'm primarily doing Facebook and Instagram and I have the occasional Pinterest request. But I would say now instead of working on all of the platforms, I'm working on primarily Facebook and Instagram. But yeah, the agency world taught me a lot about onboarding a client and it taught me a lot about troubleshooting a campaign. And again, this is one of the reasons I was really happy that I had the agency experience because I had trained Facebook reps. I had access to a level of support that only Facebook gives people who spend billions and billions of dollars in ad spend. So, you know, big brands that I was working on, like Fiat Chrysler Automotive and McDonald's, had these budgets. So I had access to a whole world of resources that the average person online doesn't have access to, which I really think it gave me an advantage once starting my own agency because I just, I see a lot of things with Facebook ads and campaigns that I think the average person who doesn't know anything about Facebook wouldn't have even thought about because of it. Right. And that's super interesting because like initially you'd think that like moving to people that have like such smaller budgets and less resources, you know, might make it limiting and challenging for you. But it sounds like you were really able to learn a lot about that. I'm curious, like what are some strategies and tactics that you learned from those bigger budgets that you apply for your smaller clients now? So really, it's the value of retargeting audiences and that it's all in how you can leverage your retargeting audiences. And yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that I learned about the agency world because one that's one of the biggest mistakes I see in general with the smaller entrepreneurs that I work with now is a lot of them rely heavily on interest-based targeting. And it's so broad. It's great right. for a top of funnel like awareness level, but when you're looking for those that website traffic and conversion value numbers, you the money maker is in your retargeting. 
That is such a good tip because I don't know anything about ads. That's that's what you're there for. But um, <laughs> I, I definitely like, you know, I've tried to do my due diligence as a marketer to understand it. And I do think that a lot of people focus on interest and that being like the gold mine with ads. But I think you make such a great point. Like, I know I've been retargeted and I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe I should buy this or maybe I should take action. And I, I forgot or you bumped off the page or whatever. So I could totally see the value there. And I'd love to just like dial back and like kind of start with the basics when it comes to ads where people are like, they have a small business, they have a product, they have email marketing and they're like, how do I know it's time to add paid ads to my business? I know it's something I'm considering, I'm thinking of as I'm growing my marketing efforts. So when do you think it's like time or someone's ready to take the leap into ads? Or do you find that there's certain business types that benefit more or less? So the first thing is I am a huge advocate for having a proof of concept on your program or your product or your offer and your organic sales funnel before ever running ads on it because you have to know if people are going to move through your funnel organically before you throw money behind it. Paid ads are not a band-aid to a bad organic strategy. And if it isn't performing well organically, it's likely not going to get you very far either with ads. So please don't waste your money on it. Oh my gosh, that's such a good tip because I think that people get frustrated with the algorithm. Especially I'm just thinking in the world of Instagram and they're like, well, I'm just not seeing organic results with an Instagram. So like I need to start using ads. But I think it's a great point, whether it's like the content you're creating or the product that you're trying to sell or the funnel or whatever it is, like you're trying to target people to, if that's not good, it's not going to work regardless. Yes. So that is step one. And my other, just another pro tip is don't boost your posts. Boosting posts is only going to get you cheap engagement and reach. Use the ads manager if you actually want to accomplish a goal like conversions. And another thing I think that surprises the majority of my clients who have never really touched Facebook ads is when you use the ads manager, Instagram and Facebook are treated as one, meaning I can run ads on both platforms and they're treated as placements like Instagram stories and Instagram feed posts versus Facebook feed posts and stories is just a checkbox rather than being its own platform. But when you boost a post on Facebook or boost a post on Instagram, it treats them independently. So you're losing out on a lot of placement value there. Ooh, that is a really, really good point. And it kind of got me thinking when you were talking about like boosting posts and kind of people trying to like DIY their page strategy. Do you think that there needs to be hiring involved with ads? Because you're obviously a pro at it. Even as someone that does Instagram and marketing, I know I have a long way to go to fully understand to even do my own advertising So do you think it's essential or what type of support do you think people need if they're ready to take that next step? Because like chances are from what I'm hearing, it sounds like it's probably someone that is maybe that a little bit more established brand or a little bit more established business. Maybe you already have, you know, a decent amount of income coming in. Maybe you have some type of community or social following somewhere. So like where where do you think it kind of lies when it comes to investing in support, not, not only including the budget for your ads? I I think you hit the nail on the head right there, too, with all of that. Um, You need to have the following build up. Uh, I don't know if I've touched on this yet, but you need to have an email list because, again, I keep talking about retargeting audiences, but you can retarget a lot 
of people on Facebook. And actually, I have the my ads manager opened up just so I can read off all of the audiences available for you guys for retargeting. You can retarget your website. And if you have the Facebook pixel installed there and you have all your different conversion events set up like checkout or ad payment method, purchase, things like that, you can retarget all those different events. If you have an app, you can retarget app activity. You can upload your, your entire CRM email list. You can target offline activity. There's video retargeting, which I can dive more into later. There's lead form, instant experience, shopping. Um, you can retarget your Facebook and Instagram page followings. And if you've ever run events, you can retarget events and people that have attended those. And there's also these things called on Facebook listings as well, which those don't apply to everybody. But if you do them, they apply to you. Mm, that is so incredibly valuable. And I want to talk about the email marketing side of things. Yes. So, I mean, people are probably like, oh my gosh, now I have to have email marketing. I have to have, you know, my Instagram or whatever, very established. But like, what do you think really needs to be in place with email marketing? Like, do you think there has to be like a welcome sequence or like a funnel that people go through? Like, do you think you have to have, have different lead magnets? Do you need to be constantly like sending at least like weekly nurture emails? Like, what do you think is kind of the essentials there when it comes to email marketing to support the traffic you're hopefully getting from your ads. Okay. I'm so glad you brought this up because yes, you have to have, if you're, I'll take course creators, for example, you have to have your follow-up sequences in place for all of these people because I can't drive all of this amazing traffic to your website or sales page or checkout cart. If you don't have the proper follow-up sequences in place for people, once they've gotten where they need to go, Ads can only take you so far. And if you don't have th- like the organic strategies in place to be able to uh, like help your ads boost to their full potential, then it's just not going to work. And again, you can't get mad at your ad strategist for getting the traffic where you need to go, but people not converting once they've gotten there. Because my right. job was to get people to the page. Totally. And I don't think I answered one of your questions earlier, yeah. but it just kind of popped back into my head. I think anybody can be taught paid ads and be taught it well. But I do think you should learn from an ad ad strategist, whether or not you choose to have them just run the campaigns for you or you book something like an intensive or a consultation with them. I think it is worth your while if you don't have any experience with ads to talk to an ad strategist just so you they can help you lay all of this out and see everything because Facebook spends money very quickly. And if it's not set up right, you're going to lose money very quickly. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. And I think also like that's definitely a message to other marketers because I know like when I was doing social media management, I would often have clients be like, oh, can we start running some ads and and things like that? And I'm like, just because I do organic content and and Instagram management, it's just a completely different world than someone that truly is an ad specialist. And just like from my experience, I do think that having just whether it is that one-time help or ongoing help, I think it's really helpful because... Because I think the hard thing that people struggle with is they're like, oh my gosh, I'm investing in the the service and then I have to invest in ads. So it seems like a lot, but there's no point in investing a ton in in ads if you're not even going to be making it back and profiting from it. I think you hit the nail on the head too when you called it an investment and not an expense. Yes, exactly. Because it's long term too. Like once you get the ads going, once you get more data, once you're testing, like you're able to target better and create better ads content, right? 
Absolutely. I had a client I consulted with the other day. Well, actually, it wasn't the other day. It was last week. But I ended up redoing her entire sales funnel. She was panicking because she was a social media manager who was hired to do ads and she hadn't done ads before. So she contacted me. I redid her entire sales funnel. And about one week later, she had messaged me that she had a $29.29 return on her ad spend. Wow. that is- I was so happy. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is fantastic. So I want to talk about like spending. People are like, okay, so I have to spend money for ads, obviously. How much do you realistically need to spend to see results? I'm sure it's probably not a cut and dry number, but can you kind of give us an idea for the type of you know brands that you help? Kind of where do people need to be in terms of how much they can commit to investing in ads monthly? So yeah, as you said, it's not necessarily a linear answer. There's a lot that goes into it. One of the things it depends most on is how long are you running these ads for? Because when I was working in corporate and my clients had billion dollar budgets, I ran ads what we referred to as month over month, meaning they never turned off. They just kept continuously going. And a lot of smaller entrepreneurs don't have the budget for that. So I can't necessarily recommend if you want to run a campaign for an entire month, I'm not going to recommend you run it with a $100 budget because that's just not going to give Facebook enough money to work with to see efficient results. So you really have to take a look at how long the campaign is running for. And then you also have to account for what the goal of the campaign is because conversions of conversion campaign, you're probably going to need to funnel a little more money into it just because the cost per is typically a little bit higher than it would be, say, on like a cost per through play, which normally my cost per through plays, which is a video view on Facebook, by the way, if I think some people get really confused when I call through play because Facebook just randomly changed terminology. But normally my cost per through plays can average anywhere from a penny to three cents. And I don't typically let them get over that. So it really just depends. Yeah. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And and so if people are kind of figuring out like where they want to start funneling things into, like, do you think a free lead magnet's the best way? Do you think that it should be like a digital product? Like, what do you think are the best things? If someone had to just choose like one or two things where like, okay, this is where I'm going to drive that traffic. What do you think that looks like? So I think this is interesting because I have two different perspectives on this. If you are looking to just build your email list, maybe you're starting and you're like, you know, I just want to run some top of funnel ads just to get as many people on my email list as possible, then fine. Run with a freebie lead magnet. But if your goal is conversions and you're ultimately wanting somebody to purchase your high ticket offer or course, you probably shouldn't run with a freebie lead magnet with your ad because it's the basic principle that somebody who has purchased from you before is likely to purchase from you again. So your conversion rates are probably going to be much higher and you're going to have a much more successful campaign launch if you run with a low ticket offer and someone buys, say, like a masterclass ticket for like 25 or 55 bucks, or they sign up for your low ticket mini course for under 100 And then you're able to push that high ticket offer on them later because the trust has been built there and they've purchased from you before. And it wasn't just, you know, a cute little checklist. Like I say, it is very hard to convert someone from your freebie checklist to your four figure offer. It just is off of a Facebook ad. 
Right. And I think that's also important to think of in your organic strategy is that I think that's why like, you know, on my Instagram, I love and and you do this so well too, of just like really going value first, because people have to consume and have so many different touch points to even make that decision. Like even if you're getting someone to download a freebie, they're still pretty cold. They don't know you. They don't know how you create. They don't know how you teach like I mean of course it depends on what your offer is and what you're trying to target people into we're just kind of thinking course world but I think it's important to understand that whether you're going organic or you're going paid there is this warm-up stage like people have to really be nurtured to get to that decision and of course there's certain buyers that they see something they know they have the need and they purchase it right away if it's at the right price point but for the most part you have to consider that there has to be nurturing involved if they are a completely cold new follower new person that you attracted from an ad absolutely and okay, so I, again, keep talking about retargeting audiences, but this is another reason why. So I'm going to go back to, you know, how I told you, you can retarget people based off of your Facebook and Instagram following. Yeah. Another thing you can do is take, once you've created those audiences, you can create lookalike audiences based off of them. So lookalike audiences are going to be people who look like people who already are obsessed with you and your business and engaging and following, but they haven't seen your content yet. So it's a more qualified cold lead. Right. I love that. And I feel like it's kind of like I'm I'm of course I'm thinking of my organic brain, but I feel like that's kind of naturally how like collaborations and sharing a feed post to stories, like when people kind of discover you internally within the app, it's kind of very similar to like if they discover you from an ad. Like they're already kind of consuming similar content, but they just haven't discovered your content yet, which I feel like is a really good point. I'd love to talk about funnels a little bit because I know we kind of have been talking about, you know, how to get them to here and there. What do you think are just some essential parts that should be a part of that ad funnel and and how that's working with email marketing or whatever it is that you're having? Like I know you said maybe having like a a low ticket offer that then upsells them. I know we talked a little bit about freebies to join a newsletter. So maybe let's kind of give some funnel examples for like, hey, I just want to build my newsletter to eventually sell to, but mainly to nurture. Or, hey, I really want to sell this $300 course. How do I get people into that phase? Yeah, I can definitely give a few examples here. So I'll take one of my massage therapist clients, for example. Um, Her ultimate goal is bookings. She doesn't care about any other metric than how many bookings she is obtaining, you know? And so one of the things that I love to do is my paid ads funnels always reflect your organic funnels. So for her, she is focused on getting people on her email list for the top of funnel. So I always love to run video view campaigns for top of funnel because I can optimize towards getting as many people to watch the video as possible and then create retargeting audiences and make sure that every single person that saw that video sees the next round of ads. So I I love that strategy. And then it pushes people to the middle of funnel option or the middle of funnel objective. And then I'm getting people directly to her website and her bookings page so they can see all of the available times. And then from there, because I have the Facebook pixel installed on her website, I am able to retarget everybody that initiated the checkout and landed on the bookings page, but didn't actually book an appointment. So they see ads and are hit at the point in the funnel again, where they're like, Hey, you didn't book, but you made it to the page. So that's one example I love to see 
of just how it works and ebbs and flows with your organic funnel that's, again, already had proof of concept that it works. So you know the ads will work in conjunction with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is so, so good. I love that example and kind of breaking it down because I think people can see that for like a brick and mortar, but also for a service provider. I'd love to talk a little bit about content and then we'll end off with launches. And for anyone that's listening on Clubhouse, hello, we're actually recording for a podcast. So we're testing this out for my show, the Shine Online podcast. So we're recording, we're going to offer tons of value here, and then we're going to open it up for Q&A at the end if you have any questions for Taylor and I. But I'd love to talk about videos specifically because I feel like videos are like one of the, I mean, just from me consuming ads, it seems like the best way to get people's attention, especially on Instagram. I'm sure it applies to Facebook. So what do you feel like types of video content and or just regular content performs really well for like the visuals of the ads? So ads content is a whole different ball game than organic content because there are a lot of different rules and best practices. What works organically might not work on paid. And one of my favorite examples of this is carousel posts. So people and love the carousel posts, especially the ones that teach you a lot. And I think those especially um, surged in popularity in 2020 during the Black Lives Matter movement when people were sharing resources and things like that. But then once I started seeing that, it became a trend to have these like eight and 10 card carousels for Facebook ads. And I'm telling you guys, that is way too much. There is not a single person on your Facebook ad that is making it to the 10th carousel card. Mm -hmm. Keep your carousel cards down to three to four cards max, because I've seen this time and time again with my corporate clients, with my small clients all across the board, you see significant drop off after the first card and most people don't make it to the third. So why bother putting all of this really important, valuable information spread out across all these cards if people aren't even going to see it, condense it down. That is such a good point because yeah, I've seen carousels, especially educational ones have performed really well for my feed organically but I could totally see why that doesn't work as well when it comes to ads. And I feel like that same concept probably applies to the copy that we're using, right? Like you don't want to like, I feel like micro blog, like really long captions are definitely something that is trending and, and has been for a while, but I can imagine that probably doesn't perform as well for ads. I don't know. Let me know. So I'm glad you brought that up too. Keep your copy short, sweet, and to the point. 125 characters or three lines of text is best practice for Facebook ads. If you get the see more option on a Facebook ad for like, you know, to continue reading, this is what we refer to in the paid ads world as truncation. Your audience is not guaranteed to click that see more button and they might miss vital information about your offer if your copy is way too long. So another thing I recommend too, and my team does handle writing ad copy for you guys and we are specialized in this but if you can find someone who is even specialized in bottom of funnel copy that's chef's kiss because copywriters are gems and they're great at what they do oh yes i absolutely love that tip I want to talk about videos. So, cause I've also seen, and maybe this is a trend, but I've seen kind of the reels TikTok format of videos, like very primarily on ads on Instagram specifically. So what's performing well in the video world when it comes to paid? Because as we're organic, obviously reels are one of the hottest parts of Instagram to grow on, but is that's what is appealing to paid ads? 
Yes. So I actually have a few clients currently that have been testing those educational style reels as specifically story ads because A, it fits the placement, which I'm going to go off on a side tangent here. There's a feature at the, at the ad level called asset customization where you build your creative at. Please use it. I cannot tell you how much it drives me nuts when I'm casually scrolling through my stories and I see someone in like a Facebook ad or sorry, an Instagram story ad pops up and it uses the one-to-one ratio for the nine by 16 story placement and the text is spread out all over the screen. It's such a bad user experience, guys. Please size your stories correctly. Please size them correctly. Oh my gosh. I've seen that too. And I'm like, why is this stories ad? Like, it just feels like it's like lazy repurposing essentially. Yes. Yes. And it's such a quick fix in the ads manager, like a a single button. So there's no excuse for it. And, but back to reels. So another reason they're great is because usually most reels abide by that 15 second rule. And I highly recommend you keep it to 15 seconds because that is a best practice for Facebook ads. Keep it short and sweet. Nobody wants to watch a 30 second ad. Nobody wants to watch a minute long ad. And I'm telling you guys, nobody wants to watch a two minute long ad. You're going to lose so many people. Mm -hmm. Keep it short, sweet and to the point. And introduce your branding within the first three seconds, you guys. I can't tell you how many times people don't put their own branding in their Facebook videos for their ads. And if your audience is going to take one thing away, if they're scrolling through it by really fast, it better be your branding. Right. And and are you thinking like visually the colors, the text? Is it like introducing yourself? Like I'm kind of curious how the format, because of course with James Sexton isn't a lot. We know this with reels, but like what type of brand elements do you think is really good? So people are kind of like identifying you, getting to know you, like all of that type of stuff. Your colors, your font, if you have a logo, which If you're running ads at this point, you guys should probably have a logo. That means you're probably pretty established in your branding. Just even if you're like subtly put it in the corner of your video, it doesn't need to take up the entire page, but it should be in there and people should be able to be like scrolling through their Instagram page, even if they're going by really fast and go, oh, that's Natasha. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I, I agree with that. I think it it helps you. I mean, this is like an, uh, literally with organic growth and organic content is like it helps you stand out. It helps people remember your brand, get to know your brand visually. So I, I absolutely love that you mentioned that tip and very interesting to see that kind of like the reels style of videos work. Um, I'm kind of curious, is it voiceovers? Is it talking videos? Is it music? Is it just text? Are there subtitles? Like what is the, what are some other formatting things that maybe you're seeing trending right now when it comes to ads? Yes. So I think that it's worth your while to test a Facebook ad. If your reel is already performing really well and driving high engagement, I think the educational style reels, and especially those who are being cognizant of putting like text in their videos, but not too much all over the place, but like enough. So, you know, like the closed captions are inclusive and things like that. Those perform very well. But again, educational content, we are not out here running ads to trending TikTok sounds because A, that's copyrighted and we can't do that. But B, you know, it's fun and doing the dances are fun, but really are the dances going to convert? Like people who are buying your course want to know the transformation. What are they getting out of it? Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. And I think that's something to definitely consider when it comes to organic videos too, is like you have to really think about what is going to convert people. And a lot of times it's nurturing the heck out of them, really positioning yourself as the expert in whatever it is you're trying to funnel them to. 
And I absolutely love that. And the last point I want to talk on when it comes to paid ads is launches. So how can people effectively use ads for launches? Like, do you have to be running them before a launch? Like what type of whatever things have you found helpful for those kind of live launches where there's like an open and closed period and having ads a part of it? Yeah. For one, having an open and closed period definitely helps create that urgency, especially uh, like I know a lot of people who run ads just to their evergreen courses where they can just buy the self-taught course and what have you. But having a timeline on when your doors close and open or if you have early bird pricing, etc., that creates that urgency feeling. So that's always a good way to go. But yes, you need to warm up your audience. As an ad strategist, please don't contact me one week before your like campaign is supposed to launch and be like, yeah, my course launches next week. Please don't do that to me. That There is a lot that goes into this and you need to warm up your audience. You need to... It, there's a lot. So yeah, yeah if you're at least... Give your ad strategist at least 60 days. I'm not kidding you guys. Totally. I was going to say, I mean, even if you're just doing an all organic launch, like I'd say your timeline for the entire launch should be at least 60 days, if not 90 days for pre-launching for the launch period for post-launch nurturing. Like there's a timeline there. So I think if you can start thinking of it 90 days in advance, it's going to help your launch go so much smoother, but also the supporting roles are going to not completely despise you for having a quick timeline. And you're just going to see better results. Yes. And, you know, pay attention to things too while you're launching. Like there are a lot of people who will just launch and hope for the best. Pay attention to your email open rates. Pay attention to your webinar rates and your engagement. Who's showing up and who's not? Where are you losing people? Because all of these things will help you address different problems in your funnel and where you can correct the issues to get people to where they need to go next. Definitely. I could not agree more. And as we're kind of ending off the podcast portion of this little clubhouse chat, I feel like we've been able to cover so much. I'd love to talk a little bit about just like the behind the scenes business struggles, growth, scaling, because this is something that you opened up on your Instagram about. It's something that I try to be pretty open about too, of just like the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows and, and how it's normal, but how it's really hard sometimes. So how are you doing? How's your journey? What's going on right now? And like, what are some things you feel like we need to talk about more? Because I think it's so important. Yeah, you know, and I purposely put this out there yesterday, because it was just, it was on my heart. And I know that I'm definitely not the only entrepreneur that feels this. But March 2021, you guys has been my worst month in business as an entrepreneur. And it was a gut punch for me because February 2021, I hit my first 10K month and I was signing dream client after dream client. I launched my own podcast. I made investments and equipment upgrades that I have been wanting to make since like college because my computer was six years old and I brought on my first contractor to help me get all of this work done. And then March hit and you know the saying, like, when it rains, it pours. It's just what it was. Mm -hmm. I had one client who was in the last month of her contract, and I was already anticipating she wasn't going to continue on. But she decided that she just didn't have to pay her invoice or complete the last month of the contract. So mm -hmm. that, that hasn't been fun. And it was the first time this has ever happened to me. And the amount of imposter syndrome that this created, you guys, March has been a month of just working through it. And 
yeah, it, it hasn't been great. But, you know, all that said, April is a new month and there are always new clients and new projects on the horizon. So I refuse to take the bad energy of March with me into April. But yeah, you know, I just, I want to stress that, you know, this is normal for entrepreneurs and I want that everyone to know that if you're having a bad month too, you're not alone and we're all going to bounce back together and to show that this shit just isn't easy either. Like I get a lot of messages telling me that I make entrepreneurship look easy with how fast I've been able to grow it since I quit my job back in October, but it couldn't be further from the truth. And it's just the whole social media is a highlight reel. So I wanted to give people a good hard look at the low light reel because it's been low this month. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that uh, like entrepreneurship is very much a journey. And I think if we have this misconception that you get to a point and magical fairies throw money on us. That isn't a thing that happens. Like it's very much a journey. Like these types of struggles, these types of moments definitely had those client moments where you're like, Oh, I, how did I not know better? How did I know this? This not know this was going to happen. Like, you know, I think we've all had those hard moments, but that is honestly the best way to learn. Cause you can hear us talking about all the, the dumb things we've done and all the bad things that's happened to us in, in business. But sometimes learning is is honestly the best way to truly grow and not just put like a band-aid or a quick fix on an issue or or a struggle that you're facing. And I'd love to hear like what are some lessons that you've like learned from growing your business and having these ebbs and flows? Like what was like maybe something you learned about, you know, contributing to that really high month and that high point? And what are some things that you're fixing moving into this new chapter and kind of getting your momentum back up again? You know, I think my biggest lesson in this past month has been money management. Because if there is one thing that I get sucked into on social media a lot, and I I can't be alone in this. There are so many great coaches and courses and programs, and you, you as an entrepreneur probably constantly feel the pressure to be in the next mastermind, in the next thing, like constantly working towards the next goal or improving a skill or networking for whatever reason. And there are, I'm just going to be straight up when I say there's a lot of bad financial advice on the internet. And I have seen a lot of people say that you should invest every dollar you make back into your business. And while I agree, you need to invest in your business to hit that next level of growth. Like I would have never reached the level that I did had I not invested in my first coach. But I did that at a smart time when I had the money and I didn't feel pressured. Like if I would have just taken all of the money I had made in 2021 thus far and invested it into a $12,000 mastermind program, I wouldn't have been able to pay my bills this month. And that's just a sad, hard fact of life. So don't let social media pressure you into feeling like you have to be in this next program or you have to be doing this next thing. Hold your vision, trust your process. You don't have to do everything all at once and you will get the opportunity to take the program at some point. Ooh, that is so good. And I could not agree more. I think that it's important to invest with a problem that you're solving, like not just because you think it'll be a magical fix. Like for me, investing has been like how to make my systems better, how to relaunch this, where do I need support? You know, where am I needing to up level my client experience? Like I think there always has to be a need in mind, but also it not 
not coming from a place of scarcity because I agree. I don't think that anything in business, like, of course you have to take risks. You know, this is all with a grain of salt. It's, it's, it's all about balance, but I do think that, and I think this is also something that marketers need to take on. This is something I've been really conscious about in my marketing language and how I launch is, you know, you don't want to guilt your followers or your community into buying something. I think it starts with marketers, but it's upheld by how people consume things and really are intentional with supporting yourself. Because if you're in that place of scarcity, you're not even going to see the benefits of that investment. You know, you're going to be struggling. And, And I think I agree. I think financial literacy as an entrepreneur is something that is like one of the harder lessons to learn, but definitely something that I've struggled with as well. And like learning how to manage your money and learning how to pay yourself, all such great things. And I'm really glad we were able to kind of cover that along with the paid ads, along with the organic content. So as we wrap up the podcast portion of this clubhouse room, I would love for you to let people know, Taylor, where people can work with you, learn from you, connect with you, because it was such a joy having you on the Shine Online podcast. Oh, thank you so much. And I genuinely enjoyed this conversation. And thank you for checking in on me. And I hope you are doing well yourself, you know. So yeah, if you are interested in keeping up with me, I share more about my personal life as an entrepreneur over on my personal profile, which is Tagram Biz. That's B-I-Z. And if you're interested in all of the social media tips and paid ad stuff, um, you can follow my agency page at Socially Tailored. And that's tailored spelled like my name, T-A-Y-L-O-R-E-D. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank and you for I guess having let's me. Get back to clubhousing. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much to today's expert guests for joining us. If you want to connect with today's guests or check out any of the important links mentioned in the show, I've linked the details in today's show notes. Join the conversation at hashtag the shine online podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. If you love what you heard today, we really appreciate it. And it helps support our show. Remember, regardless of where you're at in your entrepreneurship journey, there's always room for your biz to shine. I'll see you next time.